Skunk it. Welcome everyone to another episode of Second Opinion, but this, but this one's late at night. It's as late as it goes. <laughs> you play that song, and I suddenly become really aware that we're three guys in a bedroom. On <laughs> After watching the film, like I, I, I downloaded that. I do, this, this. I downloaded that before we watched the movie. Oh, it doesn't. Doesn't go right down. Let's just pause it. That's on repeat, though. <laughs> My plan was, so I set it to repeat. My plan was to just leave it on repeat and just turn it right down so whenever I just felt like turning it up I could just do that that would be an option that I would have um I downloaded that song before we saw the movie because that was the only song I knew that was in the movie which it pretty much is but it turns out I think playing with the boys I think would have went a lot better for this particular setting so there's three men in a bedroom quarter past ten at night volleyball who the fuck said you could talk? You stay quiet until we until we say otherwise. You want to introduce the show, Daddy? Play it a third time, just so any copyright lawyer has got it, got you absolutely nailed. Do you think we can get nailed for that? I don't think anyone's listening. <laughs> no one involved in no, Top Gun. No, no one in Top Gun's losing sleep. Okay. Tom Cruise isn't going to come after us. Not Tom, us. Tom Cruise and down the motorway. Hey. What's up, people? People, Tom, welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones. Uh, with me, my first wingman, Scott Morrison. That's me. And also with us. Our second wingman, Michael Dutt. Hello, everyone. Can you have a second wingman? I don't know. I, I can. I'll do the fuck what I like. I'm a maverick. You'll... What? <laughs> I mean... You came prepared. You wore um, a Top Gun shirt, despite the fact that this is not a visual show. Well, I, I did wear a Top Gun shirt, but I should just... Uh, first of all, thank you very much for having me here. No, that's quite all right. Don't, it's uh, not a big privilege. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening. Well, for people who are listening, I think they should realise that, obviously, this being an audio podcast, they don't realise you do this in the nude. We, I mean, very naked. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's comfortable. Aye. You can't, you can't mock a man for wanting to be comfy in his own home, regardless of what he's doing. Exactly. Recording I mean, a podcast. Making sandwiches. <laughs> We're here to talk about a famous movie you've all seen it you all love it <laughs> yeah we're here <laughs> to talk about Top Gun it was worth the 99p <laughs> 100% <laughs> 
My upstairs, we have new neighbours upstairs. This is a tangent. We have new neighbours upstairs and they're really fucking loud. They play music really loud all the time. You were here. Yeah. Thursday morning. Yeah, I... I Quarter to fucking twelve in the morning. I confused their music with footsteps. Yeah. I was like, oh, is that someone walking really loudly? No, it's no, the No, nobody walks that in beat. <laughs> nobody walks to a do, 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 do. Nobody walks around their flat like that. So I'm just going to give them a run for their money. <laughs> That's my plan. Do you think they get a great first impression if that's what they heard on repeat? I mean... (laughs) They're like, I saw two guys going as flat. A few hours later, I just heard Top Gun music on a loop. Best 99p I've ever spent. We're talking about Top Gun because we've got Michael on the show. And the last time we had a guest on, we let them choose the film. Which was William, and he chose Reign of Fire, which was hard to sit through this time we've chosen michael and he chose top gun which was hard to sit through (laughs) do you want to tell us why you chose the film um well i chose top gun because it's the greatest movie ever made so (laughs) exactly thank you scott um and yeah i wanted to see how you could tear that apart because i haven't just watched it I could see from the, the joy in your faces that <laughs> it was going to be a hard one. I it? actually, like, I will say that was probably the most fun I've had of watching a film for the show so far. It was a good fun. It was a good time. That was a roller coaster of emotions. I'd never seen Top Gun. I think I mentioned that. It's late. Top Gun. And I don't think I'd seen it. I hadn't seen it. I think I mentioned that. And that was much more of a whirlwind of emotions than I was expecting. I thought we were just going to watch a bunch of men half-naked fly airplanes. Well, we did. We did, for the most part. (laughs) But my god, the second hour. That fucking nosedive. You say say a second hour as if it's like a two-hour long movie. It's not two hours long. It's a two-hour long movie. Well, it's an hour 45, isn't it? You might as well be two hours pushing it. Mm, Okay. Right, you chose Top Gun. Yes. You chose Top Gun because, as far as you're concerned, Top Gun. Yeah. Directed by Tony Scott. Yeah. 1986. 1986, yeah. Is the greatest movie ever made. Well, yeah. Um, it's definitely <laughs> top one. <laughs> Because, I mean... How high would you rank Top Gun on a list of movies that are just Top Gun? Well, <laughs> I, come out, I come out every movie, you know, I've been all the films that made awards season this year. I'm in my Manchester by Sea, and I come out, and I'm like, that was good, but... It's no Top Gun. It's not Top Gun. You know, Manchester by the Sea, I thought that was a whirlwind of emotions. It's not Top Gun. I just experienced Top Gun for the first time. Which, is which I may have mentioned. <laughs> that was... It was it was quite the film, but I can't say I was that into it. I'm sorry. <sighs> well, for me, it's a film for any occasion, like okay. weddings, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> funerals. And <laughs> now, rather than playing. Rather than playing an, an, an ex- as you leave the funeral home, rather than play a song, we're just going to show Top Gun. Well, in its entirety, 
You can leave if you want. The cars are outside. Or you can stay and enjoy this masterpiece. There was so much to say about this film, though. Like, well, I think we should just get right You want to just it, dive yeah. in? Okay. Should we start? Danny, do you want to do your... Do a, do a summary? Give us a roundup, mate. Give um, us a plot just, summary. Just in case if you're not aware, in second opinion, we take a... We take oh, a... Right. A, I'll try to do it slower. We'll no, just a, you, you explain second opinion. We um, take um, a film that's either beloved or berated, and we one of us attacks it, one of us defends it, and then we don't usually have a, a contingency plan for a third person, so no. we just go crazy Well, and I think we around. just... Yeah, we just, we just go for it. Top Gun is about Top Gun is about Maverick and Goose as they enter the Top Gun Academy. Maverick is a bit of a maverick and he has to learn how to be less of a maverick. Is that the summary of Top Gun? Yeah, I'd say you got a pretty spot on. Yeah, would you say so? Yeah, I mean it's not complex. No, it's 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 also there's it seems like two films going on. There's the romance between him and the woman and his sort of fighter career. There's definitely two plots going so they, on. They, and that one ends halfway through <laughs> the movie and the other one starts. Well, I like it because it doesn't get bogged down in you know, it's all focused on this character, mm-hmm. Maverick, Pete Mitchell. As opposed to, you know, who who are the bad guys in this film? You know, there's, it, there are there are bad guys, quote unquote, but it's not like you're cut into a to a second camp, as it were. You know, mm. it's all focused on Top Gun, Top Gun Academy, and relationships there that develop between obviously Maverick and Goose. Obviously, that's a long-standing relationship, Goose. Maverick and. The protagonist you would say in this film is Iceman, played by Val Kilmer. Yeah. And then the love interest with Kelly McGillis, you know, it's these three different relationships coming together in one single environment. And then you've got this mild threat in the background. <laughs> Just mild. You, you know what I mean? It's uh, largest landmass. It doesn't it doesn't overcomplicate things, I think. Which is See, what I, I like about it. I think my issue with it was that it didn't get bogged down in anything in particular like for the first hour all i was really attached to was is tom cruise gonna get his hole and there's not really anything else going on there's like there's stuff to do with midge which is the russian it's a mig 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 Mig, that was it (laughs) midge Midge was a guy i went to school with we used to call him midge um it's tangent if any old macro people are listening it's so very late so talking about migs that was a fucking boner killer like they just kept going on about it i was like oh so boring because i didn't fully understand i feel like what was going so they're all just kind of they're 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 flying near the borders of each other just kind of keeping one another out they're testing each other is russia gonna come over we'll just we'll see what's happening like what was going on there, Michael? Talk me through it, as a man who's seen it well, about 12 times. In a sense, yes. Um, I mean, I'm not clued up on my aviation, yeah. um, how it all works, but obviously, it st- film starts off there in the Indian Ocean mm. on an aircraft carrier, and they're 
some Russian aircraft within their space, I believe, you know, yeah. within threatening airspace yeah. of this aircraft carrier. So they deploy jets to not attack them, but just see what's going on. So in that first instance, two go up. So that's Tom Cruise's plane mm. and the second plane with, um, oh, who was the... Who's the one that completely freaked out? Oh, it's Merlin is in his back and it's, um, fuck, who is it? It's, um, it begins with C, doesn't it? Cougar. Cougar, that's Cougar. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Cougar, Cougar and Maverick, their planes go up and they, you know, they lock with these, these MiGs and Maverick pulls one of the greatest he does in, in aviation history he, he, he what is it he does he, he flies inverted inverted by a meter and a half by a meter and a half above Meg he uh, claims two but Goose he keeps them in check he's like it was one and a half yeah and uh, he gives him the finger which you know you're learning to drive a woman's skull I am yeah I mean how good is it to drive within two meters <laughs> how good is it to drive at a slight angle <laughs> And give him the finger, because uh, you know that's what you do at roundabouts. It's, I don't know if you've learned that yet. Yeah, no, no, yeah. You drive so fast around a roundabout that you go up onto two wheels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we covered that. Of, that's yeah. lesson three. Exactly. <laughs> Just well, you've got to have a sunroof in your car because otherwise. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Cougar, Cougar basically balls it, and Pete defies orders. He comes in land, but he takes off again, and. Helps Cougar home, as it were. Cougar bails. And uh, Maverick gets sent to Top Gun Academy, mm. which is like this prestigious fighter school. Maybe this is my lack of understanding of how that, that side of the Navy works. But like, Tom Cruise goes to Top Gun Academy, but he comes out and then seems like he ends up doing the same thing that he did before he went in, fighting Russian planes. Yeah, Top Gun Academy is not about... Because, I mean, they've all got the training. They're already, you know... Top guns. Well, they're not... Well, they're medium guns. They're all... They're, yeah, they're... they're high, high Middle guns. ground they're guns. Not, they're not the top guns. Yeah. They? yeah. No, um, top guns more about the prestige and becoming better than you already are. It's like, you know, the old... Uh, Army adverts E7 TV like the be the best. Be that's, the, what that's what this fucking whole movie. Sorry, that's what this whole movie feels like. Exactly. It just feels like one big advert for like, hey man, do you want to fly planes too? Do you want to be like Tom Cruise, fucking getting any woman he wants, shooting down Russian airplanes? Come join us. Well, I mean, that's Top why. Gun. That's why this film works for. <coughs> sorry, when, that uh, voice to go. I, mean, I said, well, this is why this film works for when it was released, 1986, because that was sort of towards the end of the Cold War mm. era. Um, and I wouldn't argue, you know, you could see it as a massive propaganda film if that's the way, if you're so inclined to see it. But yeah. it wouldn't work in 2017, you know No, I mean? not it's, at all. It... Because something that stuck out to me, especially in the at the end of the film, the, the climax of the film is that Tom Cruise goes back up in the sky and he... They they properly have a a dogfight with some Russian fighter jets. Yeah, and they're all shooting each other down. Would that not? Would that not cause a war? Again, 
I mean, I only took one class in international relations. Yeah. But, uh... But in the Cold War, like, the whole thing with the Cold War was that no one was killed as... The, well, there were no shots fired as a, res, as a result of the Cold War. So to just have planes... Fl- like, tensions are always bloody high between America and Russia. To just have Tom Cruise flying about shooting down Russians seems like that would cause a bit of a fuss. Yeah, but you look at films throughout the last 30, 40 years, the bad guy is always someone that is the bad guy. But is time. Top Gun not meant to be kind of grounded in... I mean, granted, it's a sort of MTV-esque reality that Tony Scott has created in this movie. But do you not think it's meant to be grounded in some kind of our reality? Well, And not some kind of fiction where we're just shooting down Russian planes? Well, you think about it. Who who would you have as the quote-unquote bad guy for this film? Because you've got to think about who's got the technology to have planes yeah. to the standard of American, you know, arsenal at the time. You know, Chinese wouldn't probably, I'm saying I don't know, but they probably wouldn't have to that level as, you know, because China was just sort of chilling while yeah. it was all going down between. Well, it was all going on. You yeah. know, they were just sitting like, there. Oh, hey, man. They were just there. Saying <laughs> got nothing to do with us. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, the other classic bad guy is Germany, but... <laughs> By then, by then they're all in NATO together and things like that. So it's like, <laughs> Which think, I, yeah, right? Sorry. I think this question and this answer might just hit too close to the fact that we are free British millennials who have very little knowledge of the Cold War, <laughs> very discuss. basic knowledge, most of it from film. Um, so that maybe there was some exchange of fire. I mean, I presume not, because that's what the cold war was yeah. but maybe that's just where our but it's ends. not it's not an exchange of, it's not an ex, just an exchange of fire he murders some russians in jet planes like he shoots them out of the sky that you see them blow up yeah that is a full-on that is like that is regardless of whether it was def- america defending themselves that is that's a move that's a fucking play We've taken out some Russian planes. What are you going to do now, Russia? What's your response? Just feels weird. In a film that is otherwise pretty, like, yeah, we're playing volleyball with our tops off and playing with the boys or whatever that song is. Just feels odd that they would just... Then... I don't know. It just seems too... It's too downplayed, the the finale of the film. I think that the why like the, I get that the whole the, the, you know the whole kind of finale of the film if you're saying it's a character based thing should the grand arc at the end not be that him Maverick alone getting well Maverick getting back into the plane altogether that is a big step after Goose died that's his big step and that's your finale of the film is that he was able to get back into the plane and go shooting about but then the film's also like, also he shoots Russians and maybe starts World War Three. We don't really know. It's fine. Don't worry about it. But is that not taking that again another level? He gets back in plane, but he's going back into a situation where he could die. But Goose having already died, he's getting back in plane and he's getting in a situation where yeah. he could then go die. You know, it's not... He didn't have to give up. He, for all intents and purposes, he'd quit. And it was Tom Skerritt was like, get back in the plane, you asshole. Like... Mm. 
you're being a little bitch you can you know you're, you're you are a good pilot and he proves it and obviously in that final exchange he is flying with Iceman who's been his main rival throughout yeah. the entire film yeah yeah okay so let's maybe we should talk about bring it back on a bit of a course yeah I mean we've been talking about international relations I mean this is not the podcast I thought we were doing but you know if the UN needs us we're here we're here we're three guys in a bedroom I'm not going to play the song again it's over there yeah so to bring it kind of back on a bit of a chorus we sh- maybe we should talk about the kind of the, the, the primary relationships of Maverick mm-hmm. just Goose Iceman and Charlie who's and Charlie by Kevin McGillis. Yeah. it kind of gets lost in it a bit like how Maverick's name is Pete Mitchell that gets lost in that just came out of nowhere I was like wow his name's Pete that's a bit yeah, <laughs> a that, rubbish that, name I tend to be, like I can't remember what Iceman's it's something Kaczynski. it's Val Kilmer yeah but the character's name's something Kaczynski as far as I yeah. remember but it's not about that it's about call signs that's what makes it cool that's it's, you know that's what makes it cool that's yeah. it well that's it it's, it's cool it's edgy it's well not edgy it's <laughs> I thought you were going to stop doing that. <laughs> it's too good. So anyway, yeah, the three relationships between the... Yeah, so... the So, okay, so the main relationship between is him and Maverick and Goose. Yes. Goose is his wingman. Mm-hmm. Okay. How... What, a question to both of you. How well developed do you feel that is throughout the first hour of the film to where after he inevitably dies that packs a punch how are you feeling about that um i'm really stretched to think of what dev- like what how it was portrayed at all they were kind yeah. of just friends and that was kind of it they they had each other's back they uh, he knew his um goose's wife really well um he was all is yeah it was almost like Goose was just constructed just to die. It really yeah. felt like there was much yeah. of a connection. Like, yeah, like they they were really good friends. They they piled around. That was kind of as far as it went. Yeah. Um, so, do you yeah. feel that when he died, that whole kind of like twenty minutes dedicated to that was warranted? Yeah, because it almost feels like that—that—that's not what the film is about. But for that amount of time, like... and then suddenly it's like for a full twenty minutes, it's like this is what the. But film's the death, about, really. like Goose, is almost not a character as much as he's just part of the story. Like um, the the fact that he dies isn't a um, isn't about Maverick's relationship with Goose. It's the fact that Maverick's responsible for it. Well, in a sense, responsible for it. That he might be responsible for it. Because they keep it ambiguous where the Navy officially decides that it was something that was unpredictable. No one could have seen it coming. Maverick was um, not responsible for the death. But Maverick kind of feels like he might be because Mm -hmm. he's a bit um, loopy. So Goose is almost, as I say, not a character, just something that happens. And Maverick has not not have to necessarily quite deal with the death of Goose, but deal with the fact that it could be his fault. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I mean... Throughout the, from the very beginning, there's this prejudice against Maverick for the way he flies. You know, he's constantly being told he's being dangerous. I mean, one of my favorite lines right at the beginning is, your ego's writing checks, your body can't cash. I mean, that's a fantastic Boom. line. Solid. Um, but 
he's been told this, told this, doesn't believe it because you know he's got goose. Goose is very, I would say, he's a very one-dimensional character. Um, there's no, you know, there's no deep-rooted. He's a he's a family man. That's about it, sort of thing. There's no, he's not got any plays going on, on the side, anything like that. You know, conspiring with anyone. You know, he's just there as Maverick's friend and wingman. And when he dies, yeah, it's not really about. As Danny said, not really about the death is in its sense, but it opens Maverick's eyes to the fact that, hang on a minute, maybe these people are right. Maybe I am, you know, I am doing something wrong and it's cost me the life of my best friend sort of yeah. thing. Okay, I'll give you that. You know what, that's good. Because I'll admit, like, the, the, the goose stuff was it, was, it was hard to, it was more just hard to handle watching Tom Cruise look so goddamn sad for so long. Like every scene for that full kind of twenty-minute segment, he is just gonna burst into tears at any given moment. It's tough to watch. It's my man Tommy C, bro. Sucks for Goose that he died on a training exercise. Yeah, poor man. Especially since later on they're fighting real Russians. I bet he would have loved to have gotten to that part. It was a brutal death scene as well. Yeah. You see him hit the wing and the, like, what do you call it? The window? Oh that's God, that's really yeah. untechnical term for it. But hit the window. here you uh, see him hit and you're like, whoa, fuck. Wow. That's not good. That's not good, man. Yeah. As soon as it happens, you know something has gone seriously yeah. wrong. You know, that's not a way you're meant to eject from a play. Well, you eject from playing in the way it does, but just something happened. A freak accident, as it yeah. were. And, you know... Tom Cruise is down a pal, basically. How do you feel it affects Tom Cruise's relationship with his female friend? I've forgotten her name. Charlie. Charlie. Um, I like that relationship because, well, when they first interact, <laughs> don't do it. Okay, right. So we all remember that scene. Well, the very first scene where Maverick and Charlie are introduced is in a bar. Yep. And Goose has a bet with Maverick that he's got to go and basically get off with someone in the bar mm. and female this time. <laughs> Despite the numerous, um, numerous kind of references. So in a fantastic... Well, another one of my favorite a scenes. Sing along. The, the sing along, yeah. Is the whole movie just your favorite scene? It's well, it makes sense. Well, we timed the scenes, and they're very short scenes. <laughs> Two hundred scenes in that film. <laughs> um, film. But we'll get to that later. We'll yeah, get to yeah, that when we get yeah. into more technical stuff. Um, that first interaction is uh, his rendition of uh, "You've Lost That Love and Feeling." Yeah. And again, that just shows you the sort of camaraderie and boys club that the navy is sort of thing introducing this female character and then the next morning he finds out she's the sergeant yeah she's the instructor and that's the, the one i meant that's for the for the the top gun academy yeah so that kind of flips it on head you know it's a woman in quite a high ranking position within this academy which mm. you know considering how much of a boys club this Top Gun and the Navy is supposed to be, I think that's quite refreshing in the sense that she's involved that heavily. You know, she's yeah. not just this, like, he does his Top Gun by the day and then he goes off at night and 
meets up with her, blah, blah, blah. She, it's all intertwined sort of thing. Mm. Um, as to how Goose's death affects their relationship, um, I don't think it affects it that much, yeah, to be honest. I think really. they were pretty heavy and vo- pretty into each other before yeah. that. Um, if anything, he's keen to chuck that away as well as Top Gun Academy after, mm. you know, just give up everything about anything related to Goose. Yeah, Maverick, you know what? He seems like quite a... You know, as kind of laddish as he is, when it comes to the ladies, he's not too pushy, not too forward. You know, he goes, he hangs out with them on the first date, he says something about going to take a shower, and then he leaves. It's a bit weird. You know, but he's not he's not pushing for too much in that. As much as you were pushing for it. Oh, look, because I just wanted the fucking... I just want something to happen! <laughs> this is, um... My... I don't think the Charlie Maverick relationship works. And this is why I don't think it does. And it's actually something to do with how Scott was interacting the film. Because Scott was very aware of the very famous sex scene from Top Gun. And he was very aware of it to the point where he was waiting at each instant for it to happen. He was like, it's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. It's going to happen now. This is, uh, it's actually why the Maverick and Charlie scene doesn't, uh, relationship doesn't work. Because they, when they first meet each other, they start off flirty banter. And then throughout the rest of the film, um, up until Goose's death, they don't, they have two conversations. One about her asking about the MIG and the other is flirty banter. And because Scott was assuming it could be every next scene, that shows their relationship doesn't progress or change or anything. Yeah. They could have had the sex scene at any point. They could have been like, they, they didn't, they were at the same stage throughout the whole film, if uh, that makes sense. They don't mm-hmm. go anywhere with it. And, even, and then, it's kind of, then she's kind of almost written half out by the second half of the film where Goose mm-hmm. dies. Yeah. I don't think that's, I think that's why the relationship doesn't work. Everything feels kind of written out after Goose dies. It's just, it's, it's just become, it's just bizarre, become so bizarrely focused on that. Yeah. Given that there was all these kind of different wheels moving in the first half of the film. Well, it's funny how that scene is so iconic in a sense. You know, it must be up there as one of the most well-known... You're talking about You're talking about that scene? I am, and it does okay. take my breath it's away. That's <laughs> it. how iconic it is. Because my first sort of Rec- not recollection but sort of being aware of Top Gun was I was I think it was about nine ten years old and yeah. basically I, I used to play rugby and we were away I think we maybe down Edinburgh Murrayfield something watching a Scotland match and on the way back it was with my rugby club it's like parents and kids were all on a coach and uh, there was a TV on the coach that played video and someone put in Top Gun and obviously being 19 years old yeah, we're, not, you, you, we're, not, we're not that involved but I remember sitting next to my mum and dad and they were like hang on a minute is there not oh my god this scene's coming up and then <laughs> as soon as it started happening like all parents were like oh fuck <laughs> like you know this is uh, yeah. not what we're expecting to have to because like, it's talk not, to it's, about tonight. it's nothing <laughs> too graphic it's just so yeah. bizarre to watch he's like they're like licking one another. At one point, she licks his Adam's apple, and I was like, "Oh, enjoying this." Again, you keep playing the song, but the "Take My Breath Away" by Berlin. I mean, that 
music again that's probably a problem with you anticipating this scene happening so much is they keep using that music anytime there's any interaction between Maverick and Charlie mm. and this obviously that song won the Oscar for best original <laughs> song that year yeah damn so do you think maybe there's a case of there's a case to be made for something being so ingrained in pop culture that by the time you finally come around to seeing it you're all you're already so aware of everything in it that nothing kind of comes as a surprise or like that nothing maybe lives up to what you think it's gonna be well i think in terms of top gun and us being you know 20 somethings all born in the 90s this film came out in 1986 you know good five years before i was born um it is ingrained in pop culture culture like there's so many references to this film in other yeah, films that's, that's and in TV I mean, programs. Yeah. You know, Archer at the moment, the Danger Zone thing, you know, Danger Zone was written for this film as well. You know, soundtrack was done mm. by Kenny Loggins. You know, I don't know what's happened to Kenny Loggins since. Obviously, he did music for Footloose as well. But, you know, there's so many things about this film that are ingrained in popular culture that being 20-somethings and not having seen this film when it came out, you can be like, what, why do you keep mentioning all these things? And then you go back and see where they come from. And yeah, I would say that you're anticipating a lot of things, but at the same time, you just got to realize like how, what this film must have been like fresh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, I think that um, speaks a lot to the music because we like the, that is a, take my breath away is a classic cheesy 80s. Song. I had no, like I, like I didn't realize it was as tied to Top Gun as it is. It is like, almost the uh, like just almost a quintessential cheesy love song in the best possible way and in the 80s they were such they were so popular 80s pop music was so filled with those cheesy love songs like that as now they've kind of um because because they're like we've they've been around for so long we're almost so like slightly cynical about them all in that way not like yeah. unappreciating of them but like also like ah it's a it take my breath away it's a cheesy 80s song and that's something different from um a point of view from now where we're like we're over the 80s uh where our songs are like in a different direction now it's a different kind of music now as where people in the 80s would have been more um would have been more up like okay with that it's like this is yeah this is what this is now this is so now mm-hmm. well yeah i would say that, yeah that's the thing with the music for films back then as well like if you look at who won best original song fairly 80s for you know um Whitney Houston's song The Bodyguard that one mm. best that's original a cheesy song. Like, 80s exactly song. that's I, really cheesy I'd like. say the last one that there was it wasn't 80s but last time there was a, a love song attached to the film that just blew you know music out of water for that period was uh, My Heart Will Go On in Titanic you know what I mean yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a, almost a throwback <clears> to it <throat> in a way I would say that's like now you don't get it you don't have songs that are tied to films as iconically as yeah. it were you know what I mean like they try we, and do that we but... kind of talked about a similar thing when we talked about Will Smith you don't get people bloody rapping about their movies anymore no same way you can don't get songs that's as intrinsically tied <laughs> to movies as you do now like as you did back then say that's for the best he could have done a rap for Men in Black 3. That would have made the film so much more worse. I wanted to hear the rap for uh, that fucking movie where he was talking to like death and time and stuff. 
What was that movie called? Or that other one where he was a he was looking into people dying from playing football. Oh, concussion. 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 I want to hear the rap for concussion. <laughs> Obviously, I want to hear the rap for seven pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting a jellyfish <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> I spoiled that movie for Danny on the podcast. <laughs> Actually, he was oh. like, well, I've never seen seven pounds. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Spoilers. Danny was like, I've never seen seven pounds. And I was like, oh, he he died, he um, he um kills himself by dropping a jellyfish in the bathtub. And then Danny was like, what? I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I just spoiled it for you. <laughs> you make it sound like the jellyfish was like a toaster. You know what I mean? It's just... <laughs> it pretty much is. Yeah, no, but it's just like, oh, clumsy. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Well, I mean, yeah, you really cl- are you, are you re- If you're dropping a toaster in a bathtub, is that really clumsy? <laughs> those, those two items shouldn't be in the same room ever. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting to look at that through best original song. Um, I mean, what one? It was um, La La Land one this year, wasn't it? Uh, uh, yeah. City of Stars. Which was awful. Like, why is that? Whoa, song? you think City of Stars is awful? Yeah. Find Gosling sings <laughs> in the wrong key for the first two minutes of his song. It doesn't Look, I I I'm not I'm not on the big like championing of La La Land wagon, but I think to to like to belittle the songs and stuff in it, that's a bloody step too far, mate. Some good tunes. Oh, I feel like I'm going crazy. I'm the only. One I actually, I had this co- tangents. We can do this. It's our show. Fuck it. I did. I did actually have a conversation <laughs> with a guy in my work where I was like, I feel sometimes like saying that you like. I I've not I've not really spoken to anyone who didn't like La La Land. I've just spoken to people like myself who aren't don't think it's this fucking incredible work of art that has achieved so much like and i feel like to say that it's almost as if you're part of this weird little revolution Mm -hmm. of people who are like maybe la la led wasn't actually that good and it's like everyone else is like oh fucking dare you i don't know if you saw our season sorry saturday night live no well there's a sketch you find on youtube where he's in a police interrogation room because he didn't didn't, didn't, didn't like la- okay yeah. that's good so i'll definitely go and watch that like, yes yeah. la la land to me feels like water in a drought it's so little musicals going around that when one comes along and it's like uh, uh like halfway decent one everyone's yeah. on top of it because that's because musicals aren't really made anymore yeah but we sat we were driving to work uh one week and we listened to all five of the nominated songs this year so there was two from la la land there was the one that won, and then there was the one Emma Stone did by herself, which I preferred out of the two of those songs. Mm. There was a song from Moana. There was a song from... Na, na, na. There was a song by Sting from some sort of documentary film about that okay. journalist that got beheaded by ISIS. Oof. Do you remember that? That um, what? <laughs> that's a fucking synopsis I'm on but like I want to watch that movie what um, and especially Sting doing the song yeah. <laughs> and the other song was um, the Justin Timberlake one from Trolls uh, I got this feeling that song that makes me Which, upset because because I I I fucking say this all the time and people always laugh at me <laughs> Justin Timberlake's The 2020 Experience is one of the greatest albums of the past 10 years. It is fucking phenomenal. You just listen to that album, you can hear the amount of production and t- 
time and thought that has went into that album, the amount of money that he poured in that album, where he just he just fucking let songs run for four minutes longer than they really should, but you just let it happen because there's so much going on. And I defend that so much, and I'm always like, I swear to God, the 22 Experience one of the best albums of the past 10 years. And then he comes out with the song for Trolls, which is one of the most generic fucking things I've ever heard in my life. And it's nominated for an Oscar. Annoys me. Get your shit together, Justin. Um, Shall we talk about... Yeah, we've went up! (laughs) (laughs) Shall we talk about relationship between Maverick and Iceman now? Okay, so, yeah, the relationship between Goose and Iceman. Maverick and Iceman. Okay, we'll start again. So... (laughs) So no, we won't. That will be included as well. Um, I don't care. I won't have it. Leave it in! <laughs> well, maybe you should introduce it since you seem to be taking the lead on this. No, you don't. You go. Okay, don't so, let's... Relationship between Maverick and Iceman. That's the third one we should probably talk about. It's resolved the second Goose dies. Because um, Maverick... Well... No, I... it's not. It's not. Well, it's a little bit. No, it's not. Because they get posted to the Indian Ocean after the awards are done for Top Gun Academy and you see a scene there's a scene where well in that scene where they're being briefed Iceman goes up to the person briefing him um, the headmaster from Back to the Future and says to him No McFly has ever amounted to anything <laughs> in the history of Hill Valley he's like really do you think Maverick's the best person to be going up right now that's right and he yeah that's right I forgot about that actually yeah. still doesn't trust him even though he'd said to him after the goose incident that that was some of the best flying he'd ever seen that's a damn good pilot you know that 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 bit where he's sort of commiserating or const- keeps looking at the roof const- and you're like, like, it's, like, like, it's like his lines are written on the roof it's like what's up there Something Everybody liked him. him. I mean, it's uh, it's not the best sort of condolences. Yeah. You know, someone did that to me. I'm like, okay. I thought, I thought that was like along. part of the fact that the Ma- uh, Maverick and uh, Iceman rela- um, interact rivalry wasn't over. Maybe it's maybe it's just because that first viewing of the film after not seeing it for a very long time. But there were, felt like it was a lot of tension in that locker room scene where, like, we mm. we almost thought he was gonna say, like, he was like, I'm we really kept sorry. The, yeah, I kept thinking really, he was um, gonna be like. Hey, I'm sorry, Goose died, but also you're a fucker. Yeah, I like, felt like um, he was going to say that, and I also felt like um, maybe this is just like just after one quick, uh, like one viewing of it. But like, it felt like that's he was going to say that he just bottled it. Yeah, is that is that anything you would agree with? Mm, I think he struggled. He has obviously struggled to. Yeah, he struggled. Yeah, to he, come he, up it was always like I, d- I think yeah, I think he was sort it's of like conflicted to as say. to yeah, conflicted as to. You know, having a jab at him again, as he had been through the whole film. But at the same time, you know, someone has died. Is this the right time to do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. But like mm. the idea that he still wants to say, "I'm sorry, Goose died," but maybe you shouldn't be such a um, maverick. Yeah. Is like the tension of that is still that the rivalry is still going on. I think that kind of going back a wee bit. That kind of compounds. You know when Maverick's questioned everything that he could see that he was holding back from saying that he's like maybe he's right you know again maybe he's right that I am you know the problem here sort of thing oh because after that locker scene that's when Maverick quits Mm -hmm. like um 
because it almost seems to come out of nowhere. Um, that locker scene happens, and then Maverick quits. Yeah. So maybe that's where. Yeah, you know, that was a weird because th- that guy on is on the phone, and he's just like Maverick quit, and you're like, what? When did that fucking happen? Like what? Um. So maybe that's maybe that sort of tension in that scene where, um, Maverick almost feels like he isn't the only one who thinks that he could have saved Goose if he'd been less reckless and yeah. um, made him quit. Yeah. But the overall, the relationship between um, Maverick and Iceman is fairly simple. One, you know, mm. two two big eagles. They don't like We're each just other at the start. Heads. Exactly, two alpha males at the end, at the end of the day. They don't get on. Both vying for the top prize, and then come the end of the film when they're in a situation where you know there is peril attached to it, yeah. and it comes good. They're best buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not a complex relationship. I mean, a lot of this film isn't complex. It's not particularly complex. Which at is all, what man. I like. This that's one of the main reasons I like this film is because it's not complex. It's one of these films I can just throw on, regardless of my mood. You know, Watch the horrible emotional turmoil of a man struggling with the fact that he killed his partner in a <laughs> training exercise. I mean, but there's banging in it as well, so it's all good. Everyone's got different turn-ons. I mean, it's uh, is what it is. But no, it's. Uh, it's um, it's a film I can watch when I'm sick. It's a film I can watch when I'm tired. It's a film I can watch at Christmas. I mean, people say the same thing. Do the same thing for Star Wars. I've Star heard people Wars, say yeah. that Star Wars is a film that they can throw on watch regardless of what mood they are in. Um, they've always got time for it. And Top Gun is one of those for yeah. me. Okay. I think about the Maverick and Iceman relationship is I think it's for the film that they, the story they're trying to tell. I think it's more important than Maverick and Charlie, because you can tell that by the fact Charlie barely comes after Goose's death. Charlie very rarely comes yeah, back, but and I... Iceman does, but he's not there as often as I feel like he should be before Goose's death, mm-hmm. and especially because I say Charlie and Maverick don't seem to go anywhere. It seems weird that you wouldn't cut that down and have more Maverick Iceman because that's more the story they're trying to tell. Yeah. It's a higher stakes relationship. And it's, it's, you know, it definitely eclipses the one between Maverick and Charlie. Because Maverick and Charlie's relationship really boils down to a generic um, romantic comedy. It's almost like mm. um, flirty banter, flirty banter. Oh, he, she's the instructor. Oh, flirty banter. They get off each other. Mm. But like Ice Iceman and Maverick's relationship is so much more unique to the end, uh, relevant to the story they're trying to tell. Yeah, I'd agree with that. What do you What do you think of like in terms of just general acting ability from the kind of four main characters? Um, do you think I think they all did their jobs pretty solidly like um, Valkyrie made a believable nemesis as mm. it were to you know he is not very likable at any is point is Valkyrie ever likable uh, truly mm, I like him kiss kiss bang deep bang, down but... yeah that's true he was good in that um, he was also good in Tombstone he, he, he came across as very arrogant anytime he was on screen in the early stages yeah. of the film 
and you're like oh. so does Tom Cruise too yeah extent, but though, so. Tom Cruise I think but we like Tom Cruise because we're told we're supposed no, to no like. I think well <coughs> I think also the relationship she has with Goose makes you like Tom Tom Cruise's camp you know, yeah like, makes you like Maverick more again Anthony Edwards as Goose does that well he doesn't overcome he's there as that sort of comic relief in the you know in the early well throughout the film when things are maybe tense and you know he's constantly cracking cracking a joke sort of thing yeah um so i think he does that sort of sidekick buddy act very well and then kevin mcgillis just does you know female interest you mm. know all right you know what i mean it's, what else has she been in I don't really know. What yeah, I was kind of like, I was like, I've never. I feel like I've never. Seen I can't this think of very many, anything else. And mm. uh, there might be some really obvious answer that anyone yeah. who's listening might be like, "You, she's in the Dodo from the '80s, the Dodo." How did you she's, feel she's about Princess Leia? How did you feel about <laughs> Tim Robbins? I like the fact he's in it, and <laughs> it's not pre Shawshank Redemption he's, he, most of the time he wears a helmet so you can't even really yeah, tell, he can't tell I couldn't tell so there was one moment where I could tell properly it was him and uh, that's at the end when he hugs Tom Cruise and I was like there's a lot going on right now Kelly McGillis was also in Witness with Harrison Ford mm, not seen it and The Accused with Jodie so I, she's been in The Accused of it and Witness two sort of crime related I, I'm trying to remember which Harrison Ford's films Courtroom. which is Witness the one where he, the, Amish, the Amish people is that Witness yes yes he was in a lot of similar films I've not seen that I've <laughs> never even heard of it should we kind of move like come into the hour mark so maybe move on from the story stuff talk about the actual filmmaking aspects of it mm-hmm. we, we, we touched earlier about the the rapidness of scene progression in this movie scenes scenes come and go like you wouldn't fucking believe (laughs) well I think that's the point it's a fast paced movie it's it's, fast paced it's maybe high octane all action high octane film a man struggles with the concept that he killed his best friend in a training exercise again it's keeping it simple it's not meant to be a courtroom drama where there's long intense pieces of dialogue it's very much this happens, this happens, this happens. This it's happens, quite assaulting to the senses, I found at times. It's a lot. Just, just like I said, scenes move at such a rapid pace. Sometimes it's hard to process like an exchange that's happened in one scene to the next because you don't really have time to let anything soak in. Well, I think he made up for that 15 years later by doing Vanilla Sky when there's just so yeah. many long, long scenes yeah, yeah, in yeah, that. Yeah. And just like, ugh. I mean, again, love. But I think, I think, I think, Tony Scott in general, kind of, with his later films, does a better job of keeping that high octane pace while also having the content be more absorbable by the viewer. Words. Mm. (laughs) Too many. Hmm. You don't think? I mean, it doesn't always land. Domino is a bit is is quite assaulting, but something like Man on Fire works quite well. Yeah. Even to an extent, like Unstoppable. Yeah. Movie about the runaway train. That's that's what going down the track. (laughs) Well, that's it. Tony Tony Scott seems to have his thing for vehicles and action. Mm. So obviously, the Top Gun where it's planes 
And four years later, Tom Cruise again did Days of Thunder, which is NASCAR. Yeah, so he did. And then you're on to Unstoppable Trains. So like, trains, trains, planes, planes all and automobiles. He covered them all, mate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. Um, I don't know if there's. Did he? I feel like he should have done um, speed, but mm. <laughs> you know, just to complete the set. Just to <laughs> trains, planes, automobiles, and a bus. And a bus. Oh, he, needs, he needs a boat as well in there somewhere. Yeah, speed too. Just <laughs> <laughs> gotta cover the franchise. Yeah. I. Uh, what do you think, Danny? Um, it does like almost. Um, it could also be the way that some of the uh, dialogue ends in some of the scenes because they almost do seem to cut off uh, just suddenly and it, like a line won't even seem like it's the kind of line that would end a scene Yeah, and it feels like it's about to go into a conversation. That could be the dialogue. That could be the, just the length of the scene where you're not expecting it to get to the next thing. Had a similar kind of thing with Dead Heat yeah, that we, we, we talked about. Maybe it's the 80s. They're all where they, Yeah, where scenes would just sort of stop on a line and you're like oh oh i get okay guess we're moving on then (laughs) i guess this is the next scene yeah yeah maybe maybe that's an 80s thing Mm. um i think that was definitely obvious as you mentioned before definitely compounded by the fact that you know when he went around to charlie's house the first time and then he's like i'm gonna take a shower and then next thing he's riding off on his that was so weird because he's like i'm gonna take a shower and i was like my boy tom my boy tom's (laughs) fucking done it he sealed the deal Thomas fucking he's landed the plane and then it just cuts to him riding away on a motorbike but then in the next shot he's got a towel wrapped around him and I was like in the next did shot did he shower? I don't understand what <laughs> and now he's been told he needs another shower yeah and I was like what? what's happening? Um, and in that scene it, then it goes to him interacting with Charlie again which is a weird yeah. disjoint yeah it's that's just... what he was doing in the previous scene I was so, so confused almost like what's the need to have moved on to another scene I think that the, the film is so held together by you know the the iconic music that <laughs> the iconic music that it just parts of it just feel like you're just watching a music video which is what I was trying to get earlier when I used the, the phrase MTV-esque landscape mm-hmm. that he kind of creates where everything's just very neon and very colourful and everybody's riding around looking beautiful and the music's just constantly playing from one scene to the yeah, next. Yeah, I mean, and... a lot of it is imagery and music in this film. I mean, I don't think the actual dialogue, you know, is... It's nothing special. It's special, exactly. But you, you, you... Going back to the filmmaking aspect of it, one of the things you can't deny about this film is the scenes, all the air scenes, you know, the stuff of the things in the planes. See, that would all be done on the green screen CGI these yeah. days. That was all done for real, yeah. you know. Which, oh, the dogfight scenes look great. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they look pretty fantastic. Um, it was just, especially in the earlier kind of ones, I just didn't really understand what was meant to be happening mm-hmm. or what we were meant to be achieving. It's a lot, like you explained it as, oh, it's a lot of, you know, people testing. They're, they're both kind of countries are testing each other to see who'll push the furthest and i'm like i'm not really getting that that's happening at mm-hmm. all i just see th- planes flying i don't know whose plane is whose what's happening where are we what's going on but i'm assuming that like the the actual portrayal because it working by the credits they got so much of the military involved that portrayal is what made this film so iconic because this is like the first time like an audience had seen something quite like this there's quite mm-hmm. this like real on the screen high um 
uh, high paced, um, fast paced, like planes zooming through the air and all of this um, fantastic filmmaking, like probably made it more um, with like a cheesy plots on the side that was very common in the 80s. It would have probably been the filming of the planes that brought it so high up to be one of like the most famous 80s films yeah. you could even think of. I, I think it boils down to the fact that Top Gun is the quintessentials 80 exper- 80s experience. <laughs> you know, it's got the soundtrack. It's stylish. You know, it, it doesn't get bogged down in script and dialogue. No, it certainly does not. But you remember it. It's iconic. Like a lot of things mm. in the 1980s. So I think it's just that pinnacle. I mean, it was highest. It was time. highest gross in film in 1986. I mean, 1986 wasn't the finest year for film. Albeit, I mean, second highest gross in film was Crocodile Dundee. Um, <laughs> that's ru- second time Crocodile Dundee's come Crocodile, up in this yeah. um, And highest gross in film. We were talking about that last week. But what well, was we were talking about Crocodile Dundee too? For, <laughs> for a film that was made for 15 million dollars and grossed. Over three hundred fifty million dollars in the cinema. I mean, that's not well, bad. Someone's put facts and figures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, monetary gain doesn't necessarily equal quality. Oh, you got Not to be a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, it does in a way. Also, uh, <laughs> I mean, with return on investment. You know, who was it? it was Paramount? It was uh, what's the one? Uh, yeah, pa- pa- yeah, it's Paramount. Yeah. You know, that's compared to some of the stuff that's being pumped out these days at high, you know, high levels of budget and returning, mm. you know, a little next to nothing. Um, I think these days all we're looking for is a film that is, well, in terms of blockbusters, all we're looking for is a film that is coherent. Well, what about? Can I tell what's going on without having to fucking tear this apart? after the fact can i just understand the plot and the basic motivation of the characters in the story and you can do that top gun yes yes so how would you feel about top gun 2 i understand that's a thing that's going to happen yeah exactly didn't that die with tony scott though i don't feel like it's had much buzz since tony scott yeah um no i think it was last been talked about in 2015 tony scott um he died 2012 yeah um, we were still in college at the time, so yeah, no, I remember that being a a day. Yeah, like, a oh day. My, oh my days! Uh, oh my Tony days. Scott's done what now? Yeah, hang on. Yeah, that was sad because he was kind of. I mean, yeah. Let's leave it at that. I mean, we could start making fun of it, but we won't. No, like I wasn't going to make fun of it. Like he was, he was kind of responsible for a lot of m- movies that I really, really enjoyed and like i said after a while he'd kind of nailed his own mm-hmm. style in terms of these action blockbusters that also had some emotion and some character drive behind them mm-hmm. as well i think he'd kind of got that down and it was a shame that it was a shame what ended up happening mm-hmm. yeah it's... i'd like to see what he'd be doing now yeah a few years Top later two. Uh, Top I... two. No, be out. <laughs> I assume top gun 2 presuming Tom Top Cruise gone came, harder. To, uh, Tom Cruise came back would be about because Tom Cruise at the end of the film says the thing he wants to do next is become an instructor yeah would it be a mentor passing the torch yeah. kind of film well, that's the bloody end thing just now they've, isn't talk, it? Yeah. they've talked about how they would look at the sort of enhancement in the military between 
1980s and the 2010s sort of thing and how mm-hmm. you know computers are so much more involved in how you know warfare is conducted today and the technological advances sort of thing and that makes me worry like I think I would, you'd lose the spirit of Top Gun by doing that that's not what Top Gun's about yeah. Top Gun's about looking cool having a banging soundtrack that's the thing they need to have a brilliant banging. soundtrack and I don't think you'd, you know what are we going to do get a soundtrack done by the fucking chain smokers or something yeah, like that yeah, you know yeah. I don't want to hear a bunch of crappy synth over maybe like oh, what about like a Top Gun what about like a pop punk soundtrack what if we got Paramore to do the soundtrack for for, for Top Gun <laughs> Paramore yeah. if you're listening Twin Atlantic maybe <laughs> oh no please <laughs> I'm into it but yeah maybe they'd have to do something like Trainspot and not call it like Top Gun 2 it'd yeah. have to call it like T two Top Gun, <laughs> TG two or something. Just to, yeah. just so it's it's a sequel, but you know it's not. A, let's not get bogged down yeah. in the original sort of thing because I think I've really, I mean that's having made as much money as it did, they could have gone straight into making a sequel. You know, sequel straight afterwards, try and get more money out of that cash cow as it were. Yeah, but they didn't. Top Gun trilogy. They stuck to their Top Guns. And they. Um, yeah it'd be weird of you to do a Top Gun 2 now I mean would you make it an 80s throwback or would you make it contemporary I mean it'd be quite easy I guess to take a um, uh, a modern actor say take a, a Liam Hensworth or someone and say uh, have him the, the new Maverick and mm-hmm. Tom Cruise be his mentor who's like man you gotta got, you know you could lose a friend that way and it'd be quite easy to do that um, but like would it be Top Gun then mm-hmm. would well, it be Top Gun to his credit Tom Cruise said he wouldn't come back and do it unless they did all the aerial stuff for real again yeah. you know he doesn't want it to be done on he's because he's a madman when it comes to his stunts he's a he's a maverick yes he's he a maverick madman um, well I don't really think he was flying the planes in Top Gun I think mean, I think he took a back seat as it were <coughs> um, <coughs> he didn't but... quite have the celebrity back then that he could just be like Nah, I'm, I'm, I want to do it. Yeah, like, well, I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I imagine he would have definitely gone up in one of those planes yeah. at some point. You know, that's kind of person he is, and that's kind of yeah, you know, actor him, he you? is. But you hang out on weekends. Yeah, you know, me and Tom, you and Tommy chilling see. in the church center, cruising, talking about aliens and things like that. But um, no, I mean, it's it is what it is. It is what it is. It certainly is. Um. Oscar winning film I mean that's been <laughs> so is Suicide Squad I was going to say that's been, <laughs> I mean, that's been, it's been sullied yeah. by Suicide Squad before, before that happened you know Oscar was a prestigious thing yeah um, only given out to the best then he gave the it to the shittiest the least interesting okay. film of last it year it was nominated for four Oscars Top Gun one two one the Oscar for sound editing and it won best and, Tom Cruise and best original song um, can we just get a reminder real quick of shit can we just get a reminder real quick? Let play. No, let play for a bit. <laughs> I can't think it's copyright. <laughs> still not. Still a bit easy on, on the rules of playing a minute and 59 seconds of Take My Breath Away. Um, but, yeah. It wasn't... Obviously, didn't want Best Picture. It wasn't even nominated for Best Picture because mm. it's not 
gonna be nominated for best. I think it's it was, not Top Gun. I think be. it was. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Platoon won it that year. That's a good movie. Yeah, which is a good movie, but That's Top Gun. Is, putting it lightly. Top, about that. Top Gun. We'll get into Platoon. Top Gun, Top Gun is a good movie. In, a, in its For own different sense, reasons, in its own yeah. sense, okay. yeah, and that's it. I'm not here to say it's an award, you know, it should win Oscars or anything like that. It's a film that makes me happy when I watch it, and at the end of the day, if it does that, and that's all I care. I don't care what anyone else with, but I think a lot of people do like it for that same reason. Yeah, it's something that's not overcomplicated. It is fun to watch and that's what movies should be at the end of the day is fun to watch I think too some much, of them too much these days people are looking for you know too much out of films and get disappointed because they don't live up to the expectation mm. and it's just good to well I don't think I mean I see where you're coming from but I don't think every film should just be it's just a bloody good time at the cinema mate like but films that, should be there too. At that period, it wasn't made. Like it's not. It wasn't just a churned out film. It was a film in its own right. It's not. It wasn't like, you know, the the studios are doing nowadays, just doing remakes and yeah. sequels and things like that. It was an original concept, executed, pretty well. Made a lot of money. Made a lot of people happy. At the end of the day. Well, there we go. I don't fully agree with you, but I'll give you that. But, I mean, that's my opinion. I don't know what you guys, like, would you watch it again? Would I you, definitely, you... I think, yeah, I would need to see it. Like, first, yeah, first kind of viewings of it. I'm not, I'm not super crazy about it for all the reasons I've just said over the past hour. Um, but, I, I don't think, drop my pen. I don't think I'd, uh stick my nose up but watching it again if the option was ever presented to me maybe I'd see something that I appreciate more in it mm-hmm. you know it's a good fun time I, I did I did enjoy that viewing experience of it that was mostly because I was enjoying making jokes about it it was good fun you can make a great drinking game out of this film definitely anytime someone says Top Gun anyone says says something that's very very sexually suggestive those those two things you'll be fucking hammered mm. trust me oh it's a good way to get drunk in an hour and 45 minutes it's a good way to get drunk in an hour and 45 minutes and 17 seconds anywho i think that'll about do it top gun i don't know if we've said a lot we probably have those there's something in there in that hour and 10 minutes just not the way summary danny um uh, this is very. It feels very similar to when we. I feel like you got deciding vote here. Like. Mm. Um, Choose wisely, Danny. Who have you got to record a podcast with? On a bi-weekly basis. Do you want to start one, Michael? Da. Oh, is this being a pleasure <laughs> experience? Just, if 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 if, uh, if this one falls through, me and Michael Da will start one. What are you gonna What are you gonna call it? Um, playing with the boys. Playing with the boys. <laughs> Anyway, I think uh, it's it was uh, it's a very similar point I'd made. That's my favorite bit I've ever done on this podcast. I just want to make that clear. I showed you a quality. <laughs> just take that. <laughs> I think it's very um, the 
Top Gun is, uh, feels very similar to some um, we talked about in Dead Heat when we were talking about it's very much it's a product of its time and it's very enjoyable in that sense. The, as we've talked about the cheesy music and all um, and the romantic plot and like the way it's even just the way it's shot, the, the way the sex scene is shot just feels very 80s. Um, and I think it's that's kind of like one of its most enjoyable elements is just just how 80s it is. We've um, talked about this numerous times, though, that you're you're usually on board for things like that. Yeah. Whereas I just don't have the same draw to that kind of aesthetic. This whole eighties nostalgia thing. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, I just want to. I just want to watch a good movie. I do. Um, I think the eighties. I'm sure Michael Dart will agree with the the Top Gun T-shirt. I like. I like the eighties. There's almost a. I always think in the. Um, a sense of the 80s where blockbusters were um i think i mentioned this specifically last time premise based it's a the the, um, the film could be sold on just a couple of uh, a sentence premise um and i think that that just makes for really interesting concept driven blockbuster uh and i like i like the 80s for that i like the recent like 80s throwback film turbo kid turbo kid i love turbo kid turbo kid mm, film turbo kid was more of a throwback to sort of cartoon style things though yeah, kind of that kind Power of Rangers retro neonish a bit more adult as it were yeah right? i think it's got like the because like 80s films had a lot of like child almost whimsical but then it's like it's the uh, blend between child like almost whimsical adventure plus violence the 80s films were not too afraid on the um to make their kids films kind of edgy i think turbo kid, um, kid has the good mixture of both of them can i can i make a point that you on about how the 80s you're not all that fussed about them but one of your favourite films in the last few years is Mad Max Fury Road which was a franchise born out of that decade yeah but just because it's born out of that decade just because the first one was made then the, the Fury Road is it completely its own thing like I don't think that's any kind of a throwback to that time period at all I think Fury Road's doing very much its own unique so modern by name thing. but not sort of nature even well no i just i don't think that just just because it's a seek well just because it's a, a sequel to a film that was made in the 80s doesn't mean that it's a throwback to the 80s i think mad that's max, a progressive film it, like, i'll just throw that out there like mad, what... mad max is like maybe i uh, maybe i feel different and uh, maybe i'm wrong about this but i feel like mad max is a throwback to the 80s but it's throwback to a niche part of the 80s and that's kind of the meatloaf metal kind of genre and it's kind of almost uh depicting something like that um especially um fury road like it's yeah like it's almost trying to it has its own like it, i wouldn't even it's almost i wouldn't even say it's like a throwback to the 80s it's i don't just think kind so of, at all i think that the whole point of that film was trying to was trying to show that you can develop story and action within the same sequence and that the two things don't have to be yeah, but a like, separate entity. St- um, them not talking um, about style and story. I'm talking about um, uh, action and story. I'm talking about style. It's like maybe, yeah. maybe it's uh, maybe it's not a throwback to the '80s, but that's kind of what it's born out of. It's born out of that niche part of the '80s. Uh, I personally don't see it, but that is a conversation for another time because it's very late and yeah, we've been recording for a very long time. Fair so. enough. <laughs> um, let's wrap it up what can you do danny what can you where can you get us where can you reach us you can reach us on facebook and twitter at second opinion pod that's second with a two 
That is second with a two. Yeah, and we also have a YouTube. Uh, might upload something to that is soon. Second opinion, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we might get some stuff on the go. We've got a couple of things. Rot- rattling around the old noggins. Yeah. Some... So maybe we'll get something. Big thanks to Michael Dart for being here. No, thank you very much for having me. Is there anything you'd like to promote, Michael? Um, I just want to promote safe sex. Just wear a con. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that looked like there. That's going to be a nightmare to edit. <laughs> I was thinking that earlier. Right. Uh, enjoy your JK With Simmons. that, enjoy your JK Simmons. We'll see you all next time. Or you'll hear us all next time. Not me. This is the only time I'm doing this. Yeah, no, you See, I like, I, like, I like the idea that this is going to be playing, but then the Second Opinion theme song right now is kicking in. That's just a mess of sound that's going on. Awful. Never, don't tune in for next week. Bye, everyone. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Yeah.